Hi there, Chris Glynn here with the Nightlight Podcast. A big wow, because at this time of producing this show, our subscribers to this channel have just reached 100,000. So big thanks to all of you who've enthusiastically supported this channel and helped it to grow. And thanks also for your many encouraging comments and words of appreciation. Special thanks to my sons, Makuni and Anthony, who handled the post-production, and my daughter, Savannah, who manages the social media. Without them, this channel and this podcast would not be possible. Well, we look forward to recording a lot more content for you, and we always welcome your comments and suggestions. Thanks once again, and God bless you. It's nightlife. What a delight. Well, our guest on the program today is Melvin Vallon-Parambil, and I believe that the teaching on the show today could give people the faith that they too can be used by the Lord to perform the kind of miracles that we read about in the Bible as we tap into the power of the advanced technology and science of the kingdom of God. In this class, we're going to look at how the kingdom of God operates on the earth through us. We look at the miracles in the Bible and we look at it as miracles. That means something that is not natural, something that is supernatural. And so a lot of times we might have this idea, okay, God is going to do the miracle. And so we wait, okay, God is not doing the miracle. God is going to do the miracle. Our mindset has been more on a miracle than actually a way of life. Right. As Christians, our life is supernatural. Supernatural means it is the way the kingdom of God operates. Yes. Uh, this class, I'm going to go through the Old and New Testament, and we're going to look at how the kingdom of God operates on the earth. Wow. Of course, we know how Satan operates because it's very natural. It's open. He gets people sick. He already has oppression uh, in the world going through people's mind discouragement, jealousy, all of that comes from the dark kingdom and it's operating on the earth. And yet, as Christians, we don't look at that as supernatural. We look at it as natural. When somebody is discouraged and sad and depressed, we look at it as a natural thing. That's right. But God does not look at it as a natural thing. God looks at it as something that is coming from the kingdom of darkness into the world through human beings. Right, but even though it's coming from the kingdom of darkness, people often blame God for it. Of course we blame God because we are looking for God to do a miracle, right? See, the thing is that when we look at movies, and even now there's a huge knowledge or understanding or talk that is going through the every country about aliens bringing technology to the humans. Right. So a lot of, a lot of scientists, a lot of people are actually, you know, getting to the place where they're saying like, oh, this is alien technology or whatever, right? Right. Whether it is true or not, it doesn't matter. But see, that's the way the mind is of the humans are going, right? That aliens are bringing things or alien taking humans and programming them. All of that is in the world. See, Christians would even rather believe that than to believe that the kingdom of God operates also under certain rules and laws, not rules of the Ten Commandments. No, no. The way the spiritual kingdom operates, it's according to guidelines, according to laws of the spiritual kingdom. Right. Now, we know we have the laws of the physical world, which is like gravity and, you know, different things that God had already 
put into to the world, yes. the natural world, and we benefit from it. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't change those because man needs that to be able to live on the earth. But at the same time, there are two forces or two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light or the kingdom of Satan against the kingdom of God are trying to get man to follow their laws and rules. And so the kingdom of darkness releases all kinds of sickness and disease into the world, right, through human beings, because human beings through fear or sickness and disease or just doing stupid stuff allow those things to come upon us. But the kingdom of God works on a different science. You know, I'm talking about S-C-I-E-N-C-E, science, right? Right. Like uh, history, science that we teach, right? So the science of the kingdom of God is not based on the science of the natural world. See, there's a natural world science. You know, I teach science to some extent uh, to my students, but I teach it from a biblical perspective because, you know, the, the textbook I teach from is a curriculum for Christian students. There is Bible scriptures in the science class, so we don't teach no evolution, none of those junk, right? So it's it's a good side. We teach, but see, the thing is, of course, God wanted man to learn after the fall of Adam and Eve. God wanted man to also learn how things operate so he can benefit from it. But after Jesus came, God wants us also to benefit from the science of the kingdom of God, which supersedes or it's greater than the science of the natural world. I see. And so we shouldn't be just depending on the science of the natural world. Now, we need that to live on the world, but we don't put all of our faith and effort and our trust in that. But we need to be looking at, okay, we are in Christ Jesus. We are new creatures. We can operate on a higher level of science, which is from the kingdom of God. Yes. And so that is what we want to get into today. I'm not going to go into the science of the dark kingdom because you can see it. Yes. Destruction, sickness, disease, mental anguish, yeah. right? He's sweeping the whole world. And it has been for thousands of years. Adam messed up, corruption came into the world. But through Jesus, when you receive Jesus, that corruption is you're free from it, right? Right. But uh, as Christians, we still experience corruption because... We don't believe in the supernatural science of the of the kingdom of God. So we still experience some of it, but we don't have to. Right now, of course, you know, a lot of Christians are going to choke on this class because they all they think of is, OK, yeah, I love God. God forgive my sins. One day I'll go to heaven and then I'll experience everything. No, it's for now. Even the night can be bright when you switch on your nightlight. We're going to go to Exodus chapter three. And let us read from verse 1, 2, and 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back side of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Okay, here, the natural world or the natural things that that are loss of the physical world, when you burn something, it's consumed. But here is the technology or advanced science, not of the world, where the bush is on fire, but it doesn't get consumed. 
right? Yes. Now, we can look at it from a religious point of view and say, that's a miracle. Now, let's get out of this idea of a miracle. Of course, it's a miracle because the Bible says that, but let's get into the technology of the kingdom of God that God wants us to walk in. So look at it as something that is not of this world. It's coming from the kingdom of God, but it's operating on the earth, right? The bush is from the earth, but something is happening to the bush, but the bush is not consumed. So it's not a natural way. It's not the natural law, but it is the technology. Now, of course, you know, I say technology because that is the word we use today, right? Right. But I'm just using that so we can get an understanding of it, right? That's what it is. So let's go to Second Kings chapter 6. And let's read from verse 1 all the way to 7. And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and took it. Yeah. Now, do you understand this? God from the beginning is trying to get us to know. Now, this is a prophet. He's not even saved, right? That's true. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in him. He doesn't have everything that Jesus died for him to have, but yet he's operating under the signs of the kingdom of God. See, the axe head, right, is made of iron, slipped and fell into the water, and Elijah just throws the wood into it, and the axe head comes up and floats on it, right? Yes. This is an iron. Now, we know from the physical laws, will iron sink or will it float? It'll sink, of course. It sinks, it doesn't float. But here, the technology of the kingdom of God is operating on the earth and it overrides or supersedes the laws of the physical world. Can you imagine if an axe head fell into the water? Who cares, right? Elisha should have said, Oh, it's okay, the rest of you guys cut, but you know, or go get another one. No, he used the technology of God because he had faith. He stepped out, and he worked. Right. Now, let's look at the technology if, if it is in the New Testament. Let's go to Ma- uh, John 6, 6.16. And when even was now come, his disciples went down unto the sea and entered into a ship and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. So when they'd rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, they see Jesus walking on the sea and drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were afraid. But he saith unto them, It is I, be not afraid. Then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land whither they went. Okay, here in the Old Testament, he's talking about an axe, right? 
Now here in the New Testament, it's the same technology where Jesus is actually walking on the water. Right. Right. Now it's physically impossible in that sense because the loss of the natural world doesn't agree with that. So Jesus was using something more advanced than what is known to human beings. Yes. He came walking on the water. Not only that, look at the last verse. Then they willingly received him into the ship and immediately the ship was at the land where they went. Right. So the disciples were on the way. They were in a ship. They were moving towards towards the other side. I, I immediately, as soon as Jesus got into the boat, they were at land. Wow. Now, a lot of people will take the miracles of Jesus in the Old Testament. They try to make it look like, oh, it's symbolic. It didn't really happen. They doubt they are in unbelief because they go by the signs of the world. They say, oh, according to natural thing, it can't happen. So Jesus didn't do it. It would have just been a symbolic thing. No, everything that I'm going to teach you happened. This is not something that God is trying to put in there and try to make you feel good. That's right. No, this really happened. So Jesus not only walked on water, but when he got into the boat, it says immediately. Why does it have to say immediately? God could have just said, oh, they, you know, rowed themselves or sailed across the sea. No, immediately the ship was at the land. Now, do we have the technology? No, right? We know how to sail on a boat with the wind or with uh, nuclear energy or with diesel or with coal or, you know, row it or many other ways. But this is a technology that doesn't exist in the world. And the idea for me to teach this class, what the Lord showed me is that he wants his children to believe this is available to every one of us. Wow. It's not just for Jesus and for Elijah or Joshua. No, no, it is available for all of us. You are a new creature. You are a son of God, endured with power on from high. Right. And we can all all do these things. But we have a carnal mind that says, no, it's not possible. I'm not Elijah. I'm not this. I'm not that. No, we're going to study it. At the end of the class, you're going to know that this technology or this science of God's kingdom is made available to us. Inspiring you to dig deeper into God's word. You're listening to Nightlight. Now let's go to Joshua 3 and verse 14. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people and as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city of Adam that is beside Zaratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. You see that? It's not just Moses. We know that from Moses, right? Moses parted the Red Sea, right? Of course, it's not him. It's the power of God in him, right? The part of the sea. Now it happened again with Joshua. To where the, the side of the river, the, the water stood up like a wall, like a heap, right? And they walked on dry land. As Christians, we look at it like, oh, it was God who did it. Yes, of course, it's God who does it, but it's, it's working through the loss of the kingdom of God. And they were carrying the ark, right? Yeah, it's not because of the ark. You know, it's because of 
what God wanted them to pass through, like like Moses did, right? People say, oh, the ark. Yeah, the ark was there, and ark was, you know, in some battles and stuff, God told them to take the ark, right? And they won the battle. But what was in the ark? The Ten Commandments, right? It's not because of the commandment. It was the spirit, right? Remember in the temple, the Holy of Holies, that's where the ark was finally resting, right? Right. That was the Shekinah glory or God's glory. Now, where is the ark now? Now, physically, we're going to see it in heaven because it talks about in Revelation, the ark was there in heaven. But all of that is in us. Your recreative spirit has the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost much more than what the ark had. See, Joshua didn't have the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost living in him. We have, right? That's right. We have something in us that is greater than the ark. And yet Christians think, oh, if I had the ark, I could do... No, no, no. That was just a symbolic thing, right? That means a physical thing that they could carry with them, right? And it was, you know, finally put into the Jerusalem temple in the Holy of Holies. The one who told them to build the ark, God the Father, Jesus, is in us. Do you guys get that connection there? Yes. Right? And see, this would never happen. This is supernatural, or the signs of the kingdom of God. You know what? If some alien, something came down and did something on the earth that is not natural, all the people, all the Christians will believe. But at the same time, here God is showing us that the same power of the kingdom of God is in you, and you can do these things, but we we won't believe the Bible. We will believe some stories about aliens. Right. Let's go to Joshua 10.13. Joshua fighting a battle with the Amorites, and it was getting late, and so look at Joshua, look at verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou, moon, in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. People look at that and they say, oh, Joshua did a big miracle. No. What did Joshua do? He said in the sight of Israel, in front of everybody, sun, stand still. It's a command. He commanded the sun to stand still upon Giva and the moon. And he stood still till they won the battle. See, this is a man of God. Like I said before, he, he's not the same as we are. Right. And yet he believed God, right? Yes. And he knew that he has to make a command. He, he spoke a command. Now, when Jesus was on the earth, what did Jesus do? He begged for God to heal somebody? No. No, he spoke a command. Lazarus, come out. Or, man, pick up your bed and walk. It's a command. See, as sons of God, we command things to happen. Yes. Because God gave us that authority and power, told us to do it. Jesus said, you know, speak to the mountain. It's a command. You're not telling, oh, good mountain. You know, I like you, but can you be? No, no, no. It's a command. The word speak there is a command. But yet as Christians, we don't want to walk in it. We don't We don't even think about it because we just like, oh, okay, God wants, he'll do it. If he doesn't want, he won't do it. Here, Joshua is commanding. Now, all of these were physical battles. That's right. In the New Testament, we don't fight these physical battles. We go against the root 
of all that oppression in the world, and that is Satan and his dark kingdom. Yes. So we go against it, but yet we can still use the technology or the science of God's kingdom to work for us today, like it worked for Jesus, worked for Paul, worked for Peter. Inspiring you to draw closer to God. You're listening to Nightlight. Let's go to Second Kings chapter 2. Look at verse 7. And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. And they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on the dry ground. You see this? It's not just Joshua. It's not just Moses. This is Elijah. Mm-hmm took his mantle and hit the water and it parted for them to walk in dry land. Not just Elijah, look at verse 14. Now Elisha does it, right? Between 7 and 14 is when Elisha, the mantle from Elijah. So look at verse 14. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. You see that? Elijah did it, and his assistant, Elisha, right? He asked for a double anointing of Elijah, and he got it, and he just did it right there again. Do you have the double anointing of Elijah? We don't have double. We have the whole anointing of the Holy Spirit inside of us. That's right. But Christians are still asking for the double anointing. No, God is not going to give you no double anointing because you have an anointing from the Holy Ghost, which is greater than anybody ever had except Jesus. And then all the Christians after Jesus. Wow. If your mind is renewed to the truth, can you walk on water? Yes. Can you part the water? Sure. See, because (laughs) God do all these miracles so that in the end time, we as Christians are going to walk on this earth with this devil-filled world, with Antichrist coming to power to oppress everybody, he wants us as his children to walk in all of this. Yes. Okay, so let's go to Second uh, Kings 6 and verse 11. Now you've got to understand that the king of Syria was trying to ambush armies of Israel. And so Elisha would tell the king of Israel the plans that Syrian king was making. Right. And so the Syrian king was all upset and thought he had a spy in his kingdom. So let's go to Second Kings chapter 6 and verse 11. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Whoa, look at the technology, look at the science. I mean, today we have cell phones, we have far advanced communication systems. But when you look at the science of the kingdom of God, the technology of the kingdom of God, here Elisha knows exactly what the king of Syria is speaking in his bedchamber. Wow. See, This is who we are, right? Right. We need to be excited that in these last days, all of this technology, science of the kingdom of God 
is now going to start operating in us if we really believe it and if we have the faith and we get our mind renewed to it. Wow. We can walk in this. God is going to show us exactly where not to go, right? Who is coming against us. You see that throughout the Bible. That's right. Let me take you down to Daniel. Daniel is prophesying about us here. Let's go to Daniel chapter 11. Uh, look at verse 32. This is talking about during the time of the Antichrist, right? Look at verse 32. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Yeah, it's talking about us in the end time, right? They that know, of course, the wickedly doing is talking about the Antichrist. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Exploits are supernatural things that the world looks up and goes, whoa. Yes. But see, to know the Lord is to know what the kingdom of God stands for. It's not just, yeah, I know God, I know Jesus. No, no, that's not what it's talking about here. It's not just talking about you know about the Father and the Son, which is important. That is how we have a relationship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. But in that relationship, it is not just it's not just you thinking about, oh, I am spending time with Jesus, you know, by the beach or I'm sitting on the lap of my father in heaven. No, that that's good. And I'm not saying don't think that way. But there's more than that. They that know their father, they that know their Lord Jesus will do exploits. It, it is part and parcel of the same thing. Right. You can't know God intimately, know Jesus and not do exploits. Did Jesus know God when he was on the earth, his father? Yeah, he knew his father much more than we can ever admit. And yet he walked in the supernatural, walked in the technology, the science of God's kingdom, overriding any law that was hindering, you know, the people or even some of the physical laws. He didn't just sit under a tree and say, yeah, I love my father. Father loves me. Come on, children, just listen to me and just sit on his lap. No, no. They that know their God shall do exploits. In the New Testament, all of this power is given to us. And you see that with Peter. The shadow of Peter is healing somebody or casting out demons. Right? That's right. Not like in the Old Testament, the shadow. See, this is what is available to us, guys. It's available. It's ours. Wow. But as long as you think about the technology, oh, you you got to see the new cell phone. The technology is amazing. Oh, you got to see the new technology in, uh, in the medical field. They can do this without cutting your body. They can get rid of the cancer. They can do this. See, we, we all and who and go after the technology of the world. That's right. And yet we are ignorant of the technology of the science of the kingdom of God that's given to us. That is ours to walk in. So are you in the end time? Yes. Now, do you have all the power of heaven living inside of you? Yes. Or are you still waiting for some anointing that you're fasting and praying for? No. No, you already have it. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. Let's go to Second Kings chapter 4. Yeah, go to verse 42. And there came a man from Baal Shalisha and brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, twenty loaves of barley, and full ears of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. And his servitor said, What? 
Should I set this before an hundred men? He said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus saith the Lord, They shall eat and shall leave thereof. So he set it before them, and they did eat and left thereof, according to the word of the Lord. Yeah. Now here's a man who brought food to the prophet. Now he says, Take and give it to the people. Now you've got to understand it's only a little bit of food, right? 20 loaves and some corn in the husk. And he said, give it to them. And the servant said, should I set this before a hundred men? It's like there's only little food. And you want me to feed these hundred people? And he says, yeah, as the Lord said, set it before them. And they did all eat and left there. The word left there when they had leftovers, right? Right. After all the hundred people ate, they still had leftovers. Now, did Jesus do that? He did. Go to Mark 6.38. I, wa- I want you to read from 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread, and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say, Five, and two fishes. And he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks, by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed, and break the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat, and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments, and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. Uh-huh. Now how, much, how many people did they feed? Five thousand men not including women and children, right? Do you see that? Irrespective of how many years passed, right, between Elisha and Jesus, I think it was around 800, yet the technology, the science of the kingdom of God is still operational on the earth through a person who has faith, who believes in the technology, who believes in the working of God, how the kingdom of God operates. See, Jesus took five and fed, you know, almost 10,000 people. If you're looking at every man having a woman with him, including children, right? That's right. Elijah took 20 loaves and gave 100 people. And in both cases, they were leftovers. See, that's how when God feeds, he's not going to be, you know, miserly like, oh, don't eat too much. Just take (laughs) a piece. No, no. This is how God's kingdom worked. It overflows after everybody ate as much as they want and there was leftovers. Amen. And did you see Jesus told the disciples, you feed them. Did you see that? Right? Uh-huh. In verse 37, give ye them to eat. The disciples were giving you the natural solution. Send them away. They can go to a restaurant somewhere and get some food. Jesus says, no, you feed them. And these are disciples of Jesus they don't have at that time what we have today unless, you know, they passed on after the cross and after Jesus rose on. Now they walked, uh, you know, with the technology or science of God's kingdom. But 
at this time they they were just normal human beings that god had given right given them some power once in a while to do certain things but here they are trying to find a natural way to do it and yet today christians as christians we are continually depending on the natural continually because we have programmed that way that's right and god wants us a mind to be renewed the spirit of our mind renewed so that subconscious mind renewed so that we can start walking in this science or this technology or this thing that's already given to us you can see it right through the all through the old new testament so if jesus did it what did jesus say he that believeth on me the works that i do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because i go to my father that's right so are you included in that uh, person who's doing greater works right you're included yes. because you're a believer you believe but it's not just talking about just believing that jesus son of god now you got to believe what was jesus operating on when he was on the earth and what has he equipped us or given us to walk just like he walked see that is the believing is talking about but every believer already has this in us it's available to us it's given to us we don't have to ask god you can start walking in it by believing more and more oh yeah i, I can stop the storm okay there's a storm coming I, i can stop it because jesus said i can do greater works than he did he stopped the storm i can stop it see now you step out by faith in faith stand by faith but sometimes you say oh i i did what it didn't work so it's not for me see right there the devil tested your faith and you walked away don't think you're going to start walking in faith without the devil testing you it's your faith that the devil is testing but you stand your ground and you got to start learning to walk in it mm-hmm. guys we need this we need this with the antichrist the whole world going crazy soon they won't let christians into a hospital unless you are taken a mark or you you take some shots or whatever so what are we going to do we're going to have to trust god and his promises yeah we got to go by this word here right here that you already have this now it's not going to be like oh everybody's going to live on welfare for that till the day you die you know when the antichrist comes there's no welfare your welfare depends on whether you take the mark and worship him so there're going to be so many people out there that you can feel just like this just like elisha did just like jesus did see that is where The Lord is getting us ready for it. Amen. Now, are we walking in it fully now? No, right? But you can by getting in the word and meditating on. I'm not saying I'm walking in fully, but I have talked to the storm, I have talked to the weather, and they have stopped for many a time. Praise God. Now there were sometimes I did it didn't uh, it didn't stop, but you know that doesn't stop me from doing it. I keep speaking to it. Good. And it works. and the people some of the people that listen to my classes on authority they are walking in it is god guys don't back off don't be timid don't be shy and think that oh yeah you know the bible says it but i don't know if it's for me no it's talking about you it's not for you if you don't know your god they that know their god shall do exploits if you know your god you will do exploits don't say that it's not for me no it's for you as much as it's for anybody else who saved Lighting your path through the end times. You're with Nightlight. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 10. Now this is Naaman. He's a top guy in the Syrian kingdom. He had leprosy. You know, and a girl told him if he go to Elisha, you'll be cured. And so that's what happened. He came 
to Elisha who was standing at the door and look at verse 10. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away. And so here Naaman is upset and mad because Elisha asked him to dip in the, you know, muddy Jordan River. And of course, you know, the rest of the verses talks about the servant trying to talk to him. And finally, Naaman does what Elijah told him to do. Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. You see that? See, Elisha, he didn't want to come out. He didn't want to meet him. He had an attitude. He's like, he sent a servant and said, go dip in the Jordan River, right? <laughs> and he got healed. Yes. It's a far advanced system of cleaning a leper, right? Cleansing a leper. Right? But see, it had to work through faith. See, Elisha spoke in faith and told him to do something. Mm -hmm. And when he went and did it, it says his skin came back. Not, not just that his leprosy was cured. But his skin, this is an older guy, his skin went back to like a young person's skin, like a child's. Wow, that's right. See, when God restores, he doesn't just restore you to back to the way you were. He will restore you to better state. Do you see that? Right. Did Jesus heal the leper? Yes. Yeah, he healed so many, right? He didn't ask them to go and dip in the water, right? Just healed them through his words. Spoke to them or touched them. Of course, you know, he told somebody, go wash in the pool of Siloam because, you know, he put something on his eyes and the guy was healed. See, Jesus knew all of these prophets and all everything they did. Jesus studied the word, the Old Testament word. He knew every word in there. Of course, he's the one. He's the word himself, right? Right. But now he's operating on a higher level. And then he tells us, you will do this on this level and you're also going to do on a higher level, even greater miracles. Or greater work shall you do. So when you have something in your body, like say you have sickness, right? Or something in your body, don't put up with it. God has already given us the authority to speak to your body. Don't put up with it. Now you might have to speak to it for some time, but don't move away and say, oh, it's not working. No, speak to it. You have the technology, you have the science, and the Holy Spirit will get rid of that pain or headache or cancer or whatever it is, right? Right. See, that's why Jesus died and his body was ripped open so that he purchased this to us. So we have it. It is ours. If you have, if you lack wisdom, you have wisdom. You lack love, you have love. You lack peace, you have peace. But it works through faith. Faith means you're believing you have it. Elisha has to believe it. Joshua had to believe it. Jesus had to believe it. All things are possible to him that believe it. Now look at Second uh, Kings 13. Let's go to verse 21. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Can you see the technology out there? This is a body of Elisha that's been in the grave. And these guys who are going to bury a man and they saw a band of, you know, who are going to attack him. And so they cast the man into the sepulcher or the grave of Elisha and they took off, right? But as soon as the dead man touched Elisha's bones, he got up, he came back mm -hmm. to life. Amazing. These bones, 
still carry the life of God and the power of God. Of course, it's the spirit of God. We don't want to get into, I'm not trying to make it look like in the natural, but I'm just sharing this so that we can understand that it's not just God just doing a miracle like in that. No, the kingdom of God is real. God is a spirit. The angels are spirit. That word spirit means it's a substance of another kingdom. Your mm-hmm. spirit inside of you has a substance of the very substance of God. Interesting. It's not that your spirit means a smoke or something. You don't know. It, it's a substance of a different kingdom. But you need a body to live on the earth. So that's why your spirit is in your body. So when you die, your spirit, which is a substance, goes to heaven where Jesus and the Father is. And then when Jesus comes back, he's going to give us a new body, a body that is not of the earth kind of body, but it probably looks the same because Jesus had the same body. When he came back, the disciples could touch him. Right. Mm -hmm. So we are going to have a, a new body that we can travel back and forth, you know, do a lot of stuff that our natural bodies can't do. It's a substance of the kingdom of God. So the same way, God's kingdom, he has set in motion certain laws of the spiritual laws. Now, there is something called the law of faith. Now, the law of faith is what I'm talking about here. See, the law of faith will access the technology or the science of the kingdom of God. Yes. Now, I understand some people might get... uh, Choking on the word science or technology, I'm, I'm talking and, you know, they might say, oh, no, he's going off on a deep end. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about something we can understand today. When Jesus <laughs> taught in parables, he, he talked to people about things they could understand. That's right. Fishing and seed sowing into the ground like farmers, things like that, that people, you know, people could understand. So I'm just using the two words. Don't get hung up on it. But we got to understand it's not just a miracle that every Christian is looking for. Yes. But you got to understand that you can walk in this technology or the science of the kingdom of God through faith in what God's word says to us, right? Now, people say, oh, no, because Elijah was anointed, Elisha was anointed, you know, Jeremiah was anointed, and Moses was anointed. Let's go to Matthew eleven eleven. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You see that? Jesus said right there that John the Baptist is greater than all the prophets or any man. And then he says he that's in the least in the kingdom of God. That means if a person who is born again, whose spirits are recreated, the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost living in him, even though he might be the least in the kingdom of God, that means he's saved, he's going to heaven, but compared to a lot of people like Paul or Peter or all of those guys, he's saying even that person is greater than John. That means if John is greater than all the other prophets that came before John or any man, then he's saying John the Baptist is greater than them. And he's saying the least in the kingdom of God is greater. So are you equipped to do greater miracles than all the old prophets? Yes. I'm not saying we are doing it. But has God given you the authority, the power to do that? He has. Yes, and the ability. Why are we not walking in it? It's because we have a carnal mind, a mind that is programmed by the churches and the religious people that, no, 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 no. If God wills, don't even attempt it. You're going to be disappointed. Don't do that. No, no, you just pray, and if God wills, he'll do it. No, God, this is God's will. God already willed. 
that you work greater works than what Jesus did. That is the will of God. He already willed it. But the devil confuses the Christians and makes, no, 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 that's not God's will. See, because he knows if every Christian understands this message I'm teaching and wants to walk like Jesus, then he knows his kingdom is going to be defeated. That's right. He knows that Jesus is not physically walking on the earth or healing people. He knows that Jesus has to work through a Christian. So all he has to do is to get the Christian's mind to doubt and win and believe and say, no, that is not for me. See, now he might die and go to heaven if he's born again, but on the earth he's useless. He might do some good works, help some poor people or tell somebody about Jesus and get them saved, which is important. We need to, we all need to do that. I'm not saying that's wrong. What I'm saying is there's something more to it. The new creation is not just, okay, I'm going to help the poor. Hindus can do it. Muslims can do it. Atheists do it. Rich atheists who don't even believe in God do it. It's true. But everything that I'm trying to teach you guys today is not of the world. It's out of this world. It's a technology, science. You can call it miracle. It's coming from the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within us, Jesus said. Jesus also said it is a father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. When? When you go to heaven? No. Now. He gave it to us when Jesus rose from the dead. It's ours. What is the kingdom of God? Yeah, if we have peace, we have joy, we have love, but we also have all these things that Jesus said that you're going to do. Don't let anybody, doesn't matter how good a pastor is, you heard on, you know, this TV or that TV, or I don't know. Go to the word. Jesus said that right here. He that's least in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. So all these miracles that we are seeing the prophets do, most of it Jesus also did. And he said, you're going to do greater than that. Amen. I believe it. I'm going to stand by the word of God. I'm going to get my mind renewed to this truth. If I let my carnal mind analyze it and say, how can that be? Then I'm going to be like Zacharias when angel Gabriel came and said, oh, God heard your prayers and you're going to have a son and you're going to call him John. Right there, an angel. And Zacharias went into unbelief. And doubt. He's like, how can it be? I'm old. My wife is old. Boom. The angel shut his mouth up. That's right. But the same angel comes to Mary. And Mary didn't even understand because it's not ever done on the earth. No virgin ever conceived. But she wanted the angel to explain it. She was not doubting. She knew God's word is going to come to pass. She was just trying to ask the angel. how. So the angel said a supernatural thing. He said, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. Mary didn't understand what it means. But she was like, yes, be it unto me, right, according to thy word. And she just started praising God and declaring that she's going to be, right, men are going to bless her from generations. See, that's not how us Christians we do. We go like Zacharias. It's true. Yeah, Jesus did it. Yeah, Moses did it. Yeah, Elijah did it. Yeah, Paul did it. But it's not me. Even though God's word right here says it's you, right? Right. Every verse I'm giving you here. From the New Testament is talking about you. They that know their God shall do exploits, great things, mighty things today. But it starts from you knowing, getting your mind renewed to the truth. You know, if you're going to spend your week, you know, listening to something else and reading some Christian book or, you know, just spending watching something or not watching, but just letting the cares of this life choke out uh, listening to the word of God. Your faith is not going to be active. It's not going to release what God's word says. 
See, you got to value God's word. You got to value it. That means time and energy. Yes. You got to look at it like I need this, and I'm going to be listening to this class. I'm going to be writing down the scriptures and studying it. I'm going to ask the Lord, how about this? How about that? Everyone just listening. You know, we don't spend the time. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of God. See that hearing means hearing God's word, not somebody, some other thing. Oh yeah, my grandmother told me this. Oh, that pastor said, you know, those all those miracles passed away. Today, nothing. You just have to trust the system, trust the science, and trust the medical field, and trust the financial institution. That's all you have. Go for counseling. If you if you are feeling sad or depressed, go get counseling from some ungodly person. That's how most pastors work. It's sad. No, no, don't do that. Go back to the word. I gave you so many scriptures. Go to the scriptures. Listen to the class as you come to the scripture. You know, stop, pause the class, look in the Bible, and say, "Okay, what does the Bible say?" See, the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ, who strengthens us. See, the the all is all. When the Bible says all, means all. Amen. We just limit ourselves with a, a small thinking. Now, when it comes to God's word and God's ability to work through us, we need to think big. All things are possible to him that believeth. The word believeth is exactly that. Do we believe that in the end time God wants to use us mightily, not just to win a few souls here and there, but He wants to use us to set the oppressed free? Yes. To go against the kingdom of darkness, to stand strong for the kingdom of God, and so God made all of these things available to us so we can walk in it. Okay, so I'm going to stop here, and we'll continue with this in the next part of this class. God bless you, and have a great day walking. In his power. Thank you, Melvin, and stay tuned for part two of Melvin's groundbreaking class on the technology of the science of the kingdom of God coming very soon. Until then, this is Chris Glynn signing off. God bless you. Bye for now.